What plaything can you offer me today? The planet Earth. What happened? It's an attack. Pathetic Earthlings. Who can save you now? all team up and fight him. Prepare him for torture! I want him. Stop it now! Because I love you! But we only have 14 hours to save the Earth! Flash Gordon is still alive. Gordon's alive? my lucky day welcome back to the show everyone welcome back welcome back this movie is so much fun it's so much fun i'm <laughs> glad that we finally got to it if you have an aversion to the color red we are very sorry but <laughs> it is what it is listeners my name's pete and i'm scott and, and these, these are, are the movies, movies that, made, that us made us gay, gay. absolutely Sean Farrick from Trek Culture. Welcome back to the show. Almost a year since we did our yes, Star Trek indeed. episode. I know, I know. Oh my god, thank you so much for having me back. As we were just saying, I mean, where has that year gone? Where? Yeah, I don't what know. What the heck? <laughs> but today's episode, yeah. we're talking about Flash Gordon, released December 5th, 1980, directed by Mike Hodge. And of course, you got to give a shout out to Dino De Laurentiis. Dino De Laurentiis. Dino De Laurentiis. Joint. Joint. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. And I, we were just very curious of what your thoughts were on this movie. Just being a Star Trek. Sci-fi. Sci-fi fan. Flash Gordon, (laughs) had you seen it? Um, Okay, so first of all, I have to thank you because... (laughs) You have given me the gift of this film. Uh, I had never seen it before. Oh, great. Okay, um, I love that. We, we, I've, I've, I've known of it forever. Yeah. I think, yeah. how can you not know yeah. of it? It just, it's, it permeates pop culture. Yeah. Um, and so I was watching it and I, 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 I I'm actually <laughs> like, I, I'm struggling so hard to, to find, like, how do you describe a film that is at the exact same moment, the most seventies film ever made? Yeah. And the most eighties film ever made. Yeah, like mm-hmm. how how does how does that happen? Like, sorry, the entire rest of the eighties <laughs> they did yeah. it. They did it on December fifth, nineteen eighty. It was achieved with this movie. Yeah, I think the this movie is very like you said. It's very seventies as well as very eighties, but it's very like schizophrenic in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. um, I, some of the some of the the trivia quotes, some of the pull quotes are like the most expensive improvised movie ever made. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I listened to the commentary by Mike Hodges before we jumped on this call. And uh he pretty much said, yes, they had a script, but most of the shots in this movie were improvised that they were pretty much calling them on the spot. You know, like sometimes you sometimes you hear stories of how people were allowed to improvise and you sort of know in the back of your head, it's like, listen, there's millions of dollars involved. You know, you're kind of I'm sure like maybe we got the odd word in there. I don't believe a single moment of this film was originally planned. I think they they rocked up on the day yeah. and said, right, we're doing this costume. We're doing this costume. So, yeah. all right, that's great. Oh, we have Max von Sydow today. That's all right. Max going to do some stuff today. That is fine. Um, and I, some of the stories I've seen about Sam Jones on set yeah. as well, the mm-hmm. fact that there is a film, I think, is a bit amazing. 
<laughs> yeah. This I've, is like a triumph of adversity. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I was reading that they lost him in post-production, so all of his dialogue is dubbed. I did. I just yep. saw that yeah. just before we came if, on. If yeah, not so. all of it, then a good portion of it, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, so, Sean, you said you we sort of introduced you to this movie. Uh, Scott, you have you don't go very far back with I this. I don't go I very far back with this movie. And, I mean, we got to say it, but I feel like this movie was introduced to a new audience. I mean, you have to mention Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. And Ted. Yeah. That, and Family Guy. That Seth MacFarlane really loves this movie. Yeah. And it was a big part of Ted. And I think that I knew about Flash Gordon – but like I didn't know all that much about it. Right. I may have recognized the image of him just because the poster, yeah. the poster, yeah. but I had never seen it. Right. Um, I have a, a, a long and storied history with this. Uh, my, my good friend in college, Matt Earhart, uh, my best friend was, you've talked a little bit about Matt. On the yes. Show. He was very obsessed with this movie. Uh, he's a straight guy. We were just like that, like gay dude, straight dude, like best friend, like couple. Um, he was very obsessed with this movie. He liked it a lot and uh, kind of introduced it to me. Um, then later on, again, seeing it in Ted and seeing Seth's, Seth MacFarlane's love for it. And now you kind of see that people like Taika Waititi yes. and Edgar mm-hmm. Wright like, really love this movie. And these are all people that are in my general age like, range, right? The fingerprints, of, the fingerprints of this property are all over something like Thor Ragnarok. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. You know? And, when, you know, and when you watch it, you get shades of masters of the universe Mm -hmm. and you know even when you go back and you watch there's an this movie was released in 1980 there was a a filmation animated series released in 1979 which is available on tubi with ads for free uh if you are a fan of masters of the universe and you miss the flash gordon cartoon watch it do yourself a favor uh ming the merciless is skeletor like literally it's Ah. the same voice (laughs) you know uh princess aura Scott's favorite character. Yeah. She's so fierce. <laughs> Princess Aura in the animated series, the character model is Tila from Masters of the Universe. They just, uh, her hair is a little bit longer. She's wearing a bigger wig. Um, it's just, it's got all the cool, like, glittery special effects. There was a 2007 or 2006 Sci Fi Channel live action series that was one season long. And it's, it starred the actor who was uh, Whitney on Smallville. He's blonde and really handsome, just super good looking. And uh, I want, it's trash, but it's one of those like, <laughs> it's one of those like early mid 2000s sci fi shows that are like syndicated that I just kind of latch onto. Like, I don't know, I can sit down and watch Andromeda. It's garbage, oh, yeah. but, <laughs> but I'll watch it. <laughs> you know, uh, so it's, it, it feels very like um like the like the stargate tv shows sg1 mm-hmm. and all that just kind of takes itself very seriously but it's got a crazy premise um so flash gordon has there's a long history with it going back to the you know the comic strip mm-hmm. a lot of people refer to it as a comic book but it was like a newspaper funny pages comic strip right um and those were great because and, – and I remember being a very small kid and being obsessed with the comic strip and the Sunday funnies because they were in color. And you would go and be like, yeah, Spider-Man, all right. And Spider-Man would be like, hi, Aunt May. And she'd be like, I made you breakfast. You're going to eat it and be like, great. See you next week. Yeah. 
<laughs> Nothing would happen. <laughs> you would have to be reading this for like or 15 just, years. Or just trying to dive into the Prince Valiant yeah, comic. Yeah. No, yeah. With, you can't You can't do that as good. But um, so, you know, there's this long and storied history with Flash Gordon. I mean, you got to talk Well, especially about with a long and storied history of the film of Flash Gordon. Right. Because right, as right. the story goes, Lucas wanted to make a Flash Gordon movie yeah. in the mid-70s. The rights were too expensive, so he just wrote his own. And it became Star Wars, the most successful science fiction movie <laughs> of all time. And Dilo De Laurentiis wanted it on that. So he bought the rights to Flash Gordon. Yeah. And he wanted to make a movie of that level of Star Wars with it. It's like... Yeah, like it's so funny. Just in watching it, you can see that there was so much ambition, mm-hmm. and the 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 reach possibly um, <laughs> was a bit further than their grasp. Right, um, right. Like because I again just seen this. So the same cinematographer for that, this film yeah. and That's what Star Scott Wars found yesterday. I was like, what? I was kind of <laughs> gagged when I found that out when we were watching it. I mean, I think that this movie is just a very fascinating rabbit hole on IMDb oh, of yeah. the connections of the crew of this movie and just what had they had worked on. Yeah. Exactly. Like 100%, you know, you're like, you've got a bunch of shared cast between cameos and, mm-hmm. and small parts as well. But it's, it's got a lot of heart because yeah. you, you kind of struggle to go like, you know, because I, I was there trying to think of like, what would you review? It's like, what on earth is there to say about Flash Gordon other than <laughs> I now know what it feels like to, I don't know, OD on LSD? I guess. <laughs> no, I don't know. Or, or, you know, or at least I can imagine that that's what it would look like. Right. Is this right, film. Right. Well, it's interesting uh, that you say that because I know that the original director was Nicholas Rogue. And Nicholas Rogue oh, did, yeah. like, Don't Look Now. And his take on Flash Gordon was supposed to be a little more kind of reflective of just who we are as a society on Earth. Hey, I don't want to see that. Dilo De Laurentiis was like, that's not the movie that we're making. <laughs> Sorry about yeah. it. Yeah. I knew they, because they, they, I think it was not the 11th hour, but certainly yeah. sort of after pre-production, there was this directive of, like, you know, okay, cool, but a comedy. Right. That wasn't what we set out to make here. Yeah, right. but a comedy. It's like, oh, God, okay. Yeah. Um, it, and, yeah. You it, know, my, my question is, when you watch something like this, uh, okay, obviously we have Star Wars. This is our, mm-hmm. like, high watermark 1977, right? But the, the thing about Star Wars is that it was almost made in this vacuum with – industrial light and magic being created out of a bunch of plucky guys saying we got to get these shots done and and let's do it right and you know the editing not quite working right so george lucas's wife stepping in and like re you know taking the handle kind of it being filmed in england there was minimal studio input right with fox at the time right yeah and so so star wars comes out and we have this you know star wars and then before that we have uh 2001 okay and they look Mm. a certain way Right. Then we get other movies like Flash Gordon, like something like Battle Beyond the Stars. You know, what is it about these movies? Is it the dollar signs that are just not there? That when you watch the the ships flying across the sky and you see Mongo Mingo City, you know, and it just looks like a toy. It. I mean, it. It does. You can. You can see merchandising all over this film. (laughs) But I think. I think what I really got from it is that. 
it tries really hard to look expensive. Right. Yeah. And Fails. I think a, an awful lot of the time when you do that, you venture into gaudy. Yeah, You sure. venture into, it becomes, uh, and I say this with it because I, I don't want this to sound like I'm about to go and rip this field to pieces because <laughs> I'm really not. But you, you start to get in the, you know, in the kind of tacky yeah, um, sure. era. And I mean, you mentioned the red before. Red, gold, mm. gold, red. <laughs> red. There's a lot of it. You More know? gold, yeah. Like, Silver. Okay, oh, wow, wow. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's something that I'm actually very recently, uh, I've uh, seen Forbidden Planet for the mm, first time mm-hmm. ever, which is a crime that I hadn't seen yeah. beforehand. And you can see... I think Forbidden Planet just became the template for sci-fi once it was made. Um, You either tried to look like Forbidden Planet, Star Trek, uh, (laughs) or you tried to not look like Forbidden Planet, Star Wars. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I think this tried to do both. Yeah, and we're going to give them a big thumbs up for trying. (laughs) For trying, we got to give a shout out to the production designer uh, Dalio Donati, and I believe that he worked with Fellini. Love it, and uh, Zaffarelli. Love and it. from what I understand, when looking at the supplements on our Arrow video disc, that they didn't really read the script. They got a rough idea of what they were going to do. And then there's like, this is the forest set. This is what we're shooting with. <laughs> and they were just like, okay, all right. Are just bringing all of these crazy costumes to set and figure out how to shoot around them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, that, yeah. <laughs> you're like that tracks mm-hmm. the 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 yeah. costumes are gaudy uh gaudy tacky all those things come to mind but like i don't know there's something about it that just it, he also it, did the costumes too yeah it's mm-hmm. it just doesn't look like anything from the time yeah as far as the, you know the look of of everything and you know we're sitting there watching it last uh the other night to kind of get our recap and i'm just thinking to myself you know, I want to go and watch Jupiter Ascending again. Sure. It gave, like, it gave me a lot of Jupiter Ascending vibes with just how crazy, you know, there's like the, there's the Hawkman and the lizard guy and there's like a mouse girl. Like it's just, just all this crazy, weird characters in the background. And I feel like something like Jupiter and the Jupiter Ascending really kind of owes a lot to these Ming the Merciless court scenes, you know, mm. um, Mila Kunis getting having a, a a weird wedding in outer space, and she's just like, "But I'm from Chicago," <laughs> you know. Um, I love that we've mentioned Jupiter ascending on the past like three episodes. Have we? Really? We have. <laughs> hey, it's a classic. <laughs> well, it is one of the most influential <laughs> movies of all time. Absolutely. Uh. Um, but yeah, there. It's just the the crazy mix of the visuals, the the script, and. The actors. I mean, Max von Sydow aside, you know, uh, the, the like, <laughs> yeah. So, like, so, so, so here's the thing: if we're gonna go into this film and we're looking for, you know, like, let's go with the okay. Yeah. We're gonna go with the obvious description yeah. uh, comparison, which is Star Wars, yeah. right? Star Wars had a lot of, I feel, very strong actors mm, with the. Yeah. Uh, not the first person to say this, not an amazing script. Good right. story, right. but not an amazing yeah. Di- script. Dialogue, right? yeah. yeah, problems, yeah. 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 This one um, didn't really have uh, uh, um, a stellar mm-hmm. uh, acting uh, pedigree behind it. And so as you don't think I'm, I'm trying to sound like a 
it, it didn't need to be. It wasn't about bringing in the James Earl Jones mm-hmm. and, you know, the I, Harrison Ford still, you know, kind of only starting out. Yeah, this like point Kenneth, wasn't yeah. about that. The fact yeah. that Max Vincino was in it, you can tell straight away that, like, you know, kind of, ah, oh, I see the actors on set today. And everyone else is there with him. I mean, Sam Jones, in right. fairness to him, he was playing a football player who gets chucked in a rocket. Right. And then he's on a some sort of like kind of space station citadel. And then he's on a planet. And he's a, in fairness, I would also be very confused. So he nails the looking confused <laughs> yeah. in a lot of scenes. Definitely. Um, Timothy Dalton. Now, this is very early. Uh, Timothy Dalton. This is Mm -hmm. pre-Bond. And he he chews that scenery so subtly. He's still Mm -hmm. chewing the scenery, but he's not not going for, you know, the kind of the, we're going to do a subtle performance. You would never accuse anyone in this film of giving a subtle performance. But for the people in the film, I think he does the most with the least right right um and then and then there's brian blessed oh and i don't I, my i don't know i don't know <laughs> was brian blessed and i love you could say this of any performance of his was he always filmed three miles away um and he had to speak that way so that the mic would pick him up They're because like, I love him for that. Because if there's anyone who's having a ball, it's Brian Blessed. In yeah, this film. they're like, we don't need to mic you, Brian. You're fine as is. Just We're picking do, up good. Just do what you mm-hmm. do. The 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 way he can unhinge his jaw to <laughs> open up his mouth wider than anyone I've <laughs> ever seen. Does let me ask you this? Does does Jerry Butler owe his entire career to Brian Blessed? I feel like he's just been doing a Brian Blessed impersonation. After I watched this again last night, I was like, it's just Jerry Butler. Jerry Butler? Gerard Butler. Oh, (laughs) or Gerard Butler. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I think he's just given me Brian Blessed. Like, I think he's just kind of modeling his career on that. And and he hasn't told anyone. I figured it out. Um, See, now now I want to see the remake of Greenland with Brian Blessed playing Gerard Butler's character. And I think Gerard Butler does a... (laughs) Great job in that film. Yeah, yeah. But if you had Brian Blessed See? was the one, he'd probably fight the asteroid. <laughs> mm. <laughs> he'd just punch it. Just punch it in the nose. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Die! <laughs> Speaking of Brian Blessed, Prince Volta and this character, I mean, we, we, we have to do a little bit of a deep dive into these characters, but it's like the Hawkman in these, like, in leather these, daddy in harnesses. These leather daddy harnesses and these wings. <laughs> Uh, all of these Falcon Studio like, extras in the back of them. <laughs> I, I, I mean, like it writes itself here, doesn't it? Yeah. But like this, <laughs> this is this is one of those again. Like visually, this is there's a lot of homoeroticism in yeah. it. Hence, mm-hmm. we're here, and also it's so funny because there's also so much male gaze. Yeah. They have a the two uh, lead female characters have a pillow fight at one point. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like. Of course they do, because why wouldn't they? Yeah. You know, um, and yet everyone is walking around in either the tightest pants ever worn mm. by men ever, or the no pants ever <laughs> worn by men ever. Yes, um, and you're and, and yet you're kind of like, who is this film for? Right. I like I like Flash's <laughs> little booty shorts that he wears when he's going to get to be executed. 
Flash is wearing a br- <laughs> leather panties <laughs> for his execution. No, you're right. The the there's the pillow fight between Dale and Princess Aura. There's also the the like flogging scene. Yeah. With the like evil in character. Yeah. And Princess Aura, like Princess Aura is put through the ringer in this movie. She's being slapped around, whipped, like, chained. All doing it while serving face. Serve it. That gorgeous face of hers. With that crazy makeup job. And with, I like, think that eyes. she was just one that Dilo De Laurentiis just like, was just fascinated with. Of She's so beautiful. We have to put her in this movie. Her and uh, the actress who is Kala, who is the, the evil in, like, yeah. uh, evil henchwoman mm-hmm. who does whip. Princess Aura, they're both, uh, I believe they're both Italian women. They have these thick Italian accents. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that it's like every, there's a couple of those like Italian actors that are thrown in there, but then everybody else is just kind of like all over the place. There's mm-hmm. British, you know, there's there's British people, there's, there's Americans. I was seeing on um, IMDb there as well that that caused issues on set because you had people uh, who quite literally couldn't understand yeah, each sure. other because there was a language barrier. And again, brave choice for the film to make absolutely no effort to hide that fact. Sure. Yeah. You know, I think, but does that come from Dino De Laurentiis just being this old school Italian filmmaker? You know, you watch movies like Planet of the Vampires and these like, you know, all the like Mario Bava, like giallo horror movies and even spaghetti westerns. Where just everybody, just everybody yeah. is on set, just mm-hmm. dubbed. It's all bit looped because everybody's speaking their own language. We'll Nobody, figure it out later. No one understood mm-hmm. each other on set, and they said, "You know what? We'll just make them all speak English at the end of the day." <laughs> and I think for a foreign audience, for a um, for non English speaking audiences, that kind of filmmaking is a little bit more accepted. Sure. Whereas West, you know, American audiences, English speaking audiences are just like, we don't like that. That is weird to we, us. We just watch RRR. Have you have you heard of RRR yet from India? I have heard of it. I haven't seen it. It's uh, every review I've seen is like yeah. a love letter. And yeah. RRR is very. I mean, it's very that. <laughs> of that all of these all of the dialogue is dubbed about a third of yep. the movie is in english but mm-hmm. even the english dialogue spoken by it's probably, european it's probably just different actors. western actors yep. mm-hmm. that's all dubbed as well <laughs> so it's <laughs> kooky but you know like i said it's just this kind of foreign filmmaking kind of let's get this done let's get it done quick mm-hmm. and then we'll figure it out at the end of the day but it's i don't know does it add to the movie's charm i think so <laughs> I, I I have to say, I mean, I'm still um, reeling, maybe, yeah, is the word yeah. I'm looking for from this film. I think this is never remake this film. No. Never. Like, you know, it is a complete slice of what seems to be well-meaning yeah. chaos. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> they set out to make uh, a sci-fi B-movie a la Ed Wood, yeah. uh, you know, that, that kind of style with – a budget, and as, as I said, the, the, the budget is there. Might not have been used in the right places, uh. but the, the budget is there, um, and there it, it's just silly. Yeah, but it's good silly. It yeah. is very much. I mean, despite the fact there's clearly like this is this is this close <laughs> away from being um, a penthouse porno. Oh, oh. you know, um, <laughs> and yet I would still say it's completely safe for kids. Yeah. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's, it's that kind of no, weird no, totally. line that it walks. 
Speaking of Penthouse, so the editor of Penthouse was involved in the production of this movie. Bob Guccione. The, the sexy, <laughs> the sexy ladies in the courtroom are are his, are his like <laughs> models. So, yep. Because um, of course yeah. that one had his his like hands involved in this movie. Somehow. But you know why we, you know why this movie probably shouldn't be remade. It's because it's from that crop of properties that are so old Mm -hmm. that it's so hard to make them current, you know, like John Carter, you know, the, the main heavy in this movie is Ming, the merciless with the, with the mustache and the pointy eyebrow. It's like, all right, maybe, (laughs) maybe we should rethink, you know, the big baddie in, uh, in the, in the franchise. Cause we may just try and avoid Fu Manchu yeah. as your main antagonist. Like, um, I don't think it was particularly safe at the time, no. and it most certainly is not okay yeah. to do yeah. that now. And is it is it strange of me to say, because again, I feel there wasn't a bad bone in this film in terms of, I don't think there was intention. any ill intent. Yeah. That I, 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 I don't feel – I mean I'm not in any way defending that kind of depiction of a character. It is very much caricature. Yeah. But I don't think that there was an ill intent behind that. Right. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. And I think that's, that somebody like De Laurentiis and the filmmakers were just like, it's a different planet. It's outer space. They're you know from beyond the fourth dimension. Sure, they still walk down the aisle to the wedding march, but it is a completely <laughs> different <laughs> – you know time and place and so it's that's just a name that we're stuck with you know the the the, the character design on on max vanzetto is questionable but i think the intention was we're not clearly going to go down a charlie chan fu manchu road with it we're just you know we're taking what we have and i think that was a little bit more acceptable at the time because you know you see his daughter is is princess aura and she's just you know a clearly a european you know, italian white woman you know they're not g- going any any further um maybe with the uh his armed guards in his like in ming's court that have like the the ma- they have like masks on those are a little yeah. those are a little questionable <laughs> mm-hmm. but um uh okay so we have to let's let's backtrack a little bit and talk about just this the story it's a it's kind of a basic story well do you want to talk about the writer first oh yeah i think it's interesting when you look at uh lorenzo semple jr he came from writing batman from the 60s which totally makes sense. the adam west batman the adam west batman <laughs> yeah that makes sense yeah but to, to everything, not just the dialogue, but like the 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 look of it, just the the campiness of it all. And he had just collaborated with Dino for King Kong before sure. this movie. Okay, too. And that's another one. King mm-hmm. Kong was that was was that at the time taken as this like prestige like sci fi action thriller? You know, you watch it now and it's like, oh, oh boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jessica, even Jessica Lang. Come on, God bless Jessica Lang, but she's given me. Duan, Duan. She's giving yep. me first day on the job. Have like. you ever seen? Have you ever seen <laughs> the seventies King Kong? I've no, I haven't. It's actually. kind of a trip. Uh, like he's so climbing, like, he's climbing the the twin towers of New York at the very end of the movie. It's 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 definitely okay. like a, a King Kong from the nineteen seventies. Yeah, it's it's gotcha. Yeah. Like 
it's very guy in a suit. It's very, like it's they there's not a lot of like careful editing to make it. Let's not make it look as as man in a suit as we could. No, they were just like shoot it full frame. That is a is. human man. I, I- I love that. It it is what it is. Yeah. You all know this is you know this is the seventies. Yeah, there wasn't yeah. any such thing as computer you know images yeah. at this point. You know, uh, so it's just like, well, all they can do is either get a man in a suit or I guess a real ape. Yeah, you know, it's it's, <laughs> yes. one, it's yeah. one or the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so we have Lorenzo Semple writing this this crazy script that we said are we adhering to it? Maybe questionable um uh sam j it's sam j jones yeah sam j jones is is cast he is a professional football player in the united states i guess that as the story goes he was on a game show yeah and de laurentis's wife was watching it at the time and she's like that's flash gordon bring him in for this movie and that's how he got cast was like was just seeing him off of a off of like a he was a contestant on like hollywood squares on a game show sure Mm mm-hmm Okay, that works. <laughs> um, Did he play for the Jets? I, I, like, I don't know. It, he he played for he the Jets in, in the, the movie. film. He does. He definitely says yeah. he says Jets in the film. Mm-hmm. Whether that's in real life or not, yeah. I I don't know enough about American football teams. Right. I mean, for all I know, the, the Jets is just what we call people who play football. I mean, I've just, I know I've just alienated some of your audience. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Everyone. I don't think a lot of our um, audiences are big football fans, so don't worry about it. <laughs> This is another thing that goes back to my point of who is this film for? Right. Which of the people sure. watching this film were right. the diehard football fans that were here for the football fight in Ming's court? Oh my you know, God. I'm looking at this going like, this is one of the greatest fight scenes in cinema history. <laughs> Why is this not remembered as much as it is? Because he's not it's not trying to get away. He's no. clearly trying to score a touchdown. Yeah. And no one, bar these few guards, are doing anything to stop him. And... Then Dale's a cheerleader at one point, and it's just like, what yeah. is going? Dale, Dale, who we must remember, he met Dale three minutes yes. before <laughs> this scene, which is hilarious. I mean, yeah, there's a talk about yeah, he'd seen her in the bar the night before, but like, but we're not talking about people who've known no. each other for years. Yeah. Sorry, no I, I, have prior relationship. I, I, I think i love this film <laughs> i'm so glad i'm so glad so okay so sam j jones he comes in they uh they dye his hair a little bit blonder because flash gordon as this character has has very blonde hair in the animated series it looks like aquaman um played by buster crab in in the old the old, ser- the old universal serials google, from the, from google the photos of buster crab yeah he's a very very handsome yep. like old timey black and white actor um flash gordon meets dale arden on a plane like and a she's private like plane a, and she's just like a main character of the comic she is she's she's the she's his girlfriend in the she's comic. the girl yeah. also from earth okay. i think in this movie she's a reporter I thought that she was a travel agent. Travel? I don't know what she is. It's not. She's it's not travel agent. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Doesn't he make a joke? It's funny to see a travel agent being afraid of flying. Right, right, right. Because she doesn't like flying. She's like, all right, yeah, <laughs> grand. <laughs> and as you said, they meet on this plane, and the plane is immediately engulfed in. Uh, the world is completely like falling apart at this point, right? Um, because Emperor Ming is bored. And he's picking a fight with Earth. Oh, that's right. Right? That's right. It starts off with just voiceover. And he's mm-hmm. I'm, Clytus, I'm bored. And he finds a planet. And he says, oh, let's fuck with them. And then he uses his, his switchboard of buttons, which include hot hail. 
earthquake. Earthquake. <laughs> Like thunderstorms, volcanic eruptions, volcanic eruptions. Yeah, and we were, and Pete and I were thinking, like, would it be Earth an earthquake if you were on another planet and you use that? But I think we are we are putting way too Who much cares? thought. Yeah, we are putting way too much thought into this movie. Yeah. So by happenstance, they meet uh, Doctor Arkoff, who is like a weird doomsday prepper. He and he has a rocket right. ship. Homemade rocket ship. Uh, of course he does. <laughs> it just all, ha- it's just he does. all uh, has to happen in order for this story to get off the ground. And we've got no time. You just got to accept it. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's like it, 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 it's, it's a plot where if you pick any one of the threads, any one of yeah. them, yeah. the entire thing unspools. But then more fool us for expecting it to not do that. Right, <laughs> you know that that that's how I would look at it. This this film when they were when they were writing this film, you know he was not sitting there going, "I'm getting the Oscar for uh, for best uh, right. screenplay." This, no. this is what I'm going for. No, he's going for the participants award for holy crap, this got made. Absolutely, absolutely. And the only reason I'm, I'm setting up these because these are our main three human Earthling characters, right? So we've got Sam J. Jones, as I've said, uh, as Dale Arden. We've got the incomparable Melody Anderson, who has gone on to do absolutely nothing. Did you see the movie that she made the year before this? No. What did she do? Battle of the. Battle of the Network. Oh Stars? no! Oh no! She was on Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. Okay. I right. thought that she was on. Uh, that she was in Battle of the. Oh, Battle Beyond the Planets. Yeah. Battle Beyond the Planets. But yeah, it's Battlestar. Sure. Sure. Okay. Also, uh, a scion of 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 acting chops. Mm-hmm. The old Battlestar Galactica TV show from the eighties. And uh, as Doctor Zarkov, we have Topol, who uh, are musical theater fans or listeners will recognize from Fiddler on the Roof. He played Tevya. Oh yeah, the movie version. Uh-huh. Um, so he's like a big uh, actor. He's from Israel, um, and uh, he he's actually done a lot of stuff. But his performance in this movie is insane. Oh yeah, <laughs> he he is marching to the beat of his own drum the whole film. Like yeah. I, I maybe they gave him direction to be like, look, you got to be a little bit unhinged. We've got to really not know what's coming next. Oh, you're living this. Yeah. Okie dokie. Right. You're going method. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Method. Um, you know, Dale and Flash just, it's interesting because Scott had the, the director's commentary on earlier today and the director just mentioned like, there are things that happen in this movie and you just have to buy that these two are so dumb that they just. <laughs> That they're just like, okay, our plane just crashed. We, you know, we're here in this weird guy's like garage, like rocket hangar, and he's like, and we need a phone, and he's like, yeah, it's in there, and they're like, sure, that looks like a phone booth, and, and they just walk in, and he don't care, and his and the and this is the director of the movie who's saying. You know, they ju- a lot of crazy shit's been going on in the last two days for these guys, so they're just t- going with the flow. <laughs> so that's why they're making these crazy decisions. I love that because, come on, I love like it, this is one of those films. Like you know, when you do that, um, the, the test of you know, can a six year old see through the plot holes? Right. You're just like. <laughs> This is so not about that. No. This is, like you said, you've got to get them from A to yeah. B to C. They crash the plane and they walk. And uh, there's actually a gag, isn't there, where um, uh, Zarkov, so, you know, are you injured? And Flash just goes, no. 
<laughs> Grant, okay, yeah, that's that's a that's a good landing, yeah. mate. You know, person who's never landed a plane before, and then with a scratch on them, they walk into the rocket because as they do, and they're just like, I don't think there's a phone in here. No, we won't leave. We'll stay here because yeah. why would we? Um, and and that's just how things going. So. In terms of, if I'm ever in a crisis, I want one of these characters because they are <laughs> yeah. so unfazed by everything that's happening. And those are the kinds of people that live through everything, that they walk away from mm-hmm. car what? crashes. They walk away from plane crashes. Exactly. Those are the kind of people that are just like, wow, did you see that? <laughs> yeah, I did. How are you alive? <laughs> they, yeah, they just have the dump, the dumbest luck. Um, it's kind of interesting that they don't make the character of Dale a too um kind of shrieky or just always screaming yeah like it never turns into like kate caps off from from the temple of doom territory <laughs> and it's kind of fun to see her when she becomes like a boss later and and starts shooting people sure or, or like like karate chopping guards <laughs> mm-hmm i i like I, I totally agree with you i like yeah. that because i mean again this is not the film that we look to for the best <laughs> versions of feminism ever. Yeah. But she doesn't become that damsel in distress. Yep. She's not, you know, she, she's not like, you know, Flash has to go and rescue her again. Mm-hmm, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's nothing like that. And I just love that through their own misadventure slash escape artist, they end up standing in front of Voltron. They're like, oh, we'll just have a full conversation here. We're all fine. Yeah, fine. Everyone's fine here. That's fine. <laughs> I just really love it because whatever day they're having, everyone else is having a very different day to them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Oh, my God. All right. So we get introduced to even more characters. This movie has a lot of characters. So that's that's kind of a thing with like recapping. Kind of in this throne room, you get set up of all of these neighboring planets and people that live on them can you explain that okay so i (laughs) first of all okay the planet is called mongo the dictator man in charge is ming the merciless and the crazy golden city is mingo city okay so this is a lot of words that sound very similar okay so they're on the planet mongo right there are other like realms that these people live in, uh, Prince uh, Prince Baron, who is Timothy Dalton, comes from like the forest. Pretty re- much just playing Robin Hood region, just playing Robin Hood. Um, there is Prince Voltan, who is from the the Hawkmen, and they've got like a floating city, kind of a Bespin floating city in the clouds situation. Um, but the thing is, when uh, there's a moment when. Uh, Princess Aura breaks Flash out, right? And she's trying mm. to get him to escape, to go to the forest realm with with the hawk with the Balin, right? So you would think that the Hawkmen live in the forest. They don't. They live in the city in the clouds. Weird. So she's call, she's calling out things as they're flying by. And she's like, Oh, that's the planet, blah, blah, blah. And then they cut to it, and it's like a like a floating rock platform yeah. that's not a planet at all then she's like and that's the planet so-and-so and And you're like but that's a that's like a that's like an iceberg that's like a rock floating in space (laughs) is this an asteroid (laughs) so again this isn't that movie before flash gets to ask the question she just starts eating his face well yeah i mean come on (laughs) 
<laughs> the, okay. I love it. While at the same time giving out to him for not paying attention to piloting the the, the rocket, like, well, pick one. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I mean the, the people of Mongo are horny for one, and oh, yes. very impatient. <laughs> But um, yeah, so as far as like the, the geography and what they're how the world building is is leaving a little bit to you know to <laughs> they, they've left a little bit on the on the floor there for for the world building. I'm giving them a C minus for that because it's very confusing uh, everything that's going on. But um, you know, suffice it to say that that Mon- uh, Ming has a daughter who starts off evil, and I love that you know she's evil because. Uh, at one point, she she's with Ming, and and Dale's crying, and she goes, "There's water coming out of her eyes. <laughs> what is that?" And he's like, "Oh, it's a sign of their weakness." It's like, "Oh, okay." Princess Aura, I think I said earlier, it's she Scott's one of she's one of yeah. Scott's favorite characters. Her looks are are incredible. She has like some spandex workout wear in like the last <laughs> act of the movie that I think is pretty fierce. She has beautiful eye makeup. She has great eye mm-hmm. makeup. She's introduced yeah. in like this like gold number with like this things like very, swirling up her legs. It's very, it's very night at the disco. I love it. It's very disco. Um, I, I think that for, for anyone listening to this who hasn't seen the film, to, to to get an idea of what this character is like, not so much in appearance, but in performance, think Kristen Wiig's character from Zoolander 2, <laughs> I think, sure. is absolutely mm-hmm. based on Princess Aura <laughs> in this film. I can actually um, see that. And I, I was just watching going like, I'm living for this. <laughs> I am living for this. This is so brilliant. Yeah. And then suddenly pillow fight i mean it's a pill and and then in the pillow fight they're wearing these very like gauzy sheer like flowing things with just you know now is this underneath. is this with the other concubines yes okay yeah because okay. dale like yeah. unfortunately dale just does kind of just get thrown into a room with a bunch of like concubines and they're just yeah. kind of telling her like you're gonna marry ming eventually Make peace with it. This is going to happen. I, Here is the substance to drink that just knocks you out, that you won't remember anything. Well, she doesn't say. She says, <laughs> "Oh no, it's even." Yeah, she says, "Will yeah, make me not say, remember." Like, it's, it's even worse. It's like you know, you will remember. Oh, this will make you not care that you remember. It's like, oh my god, oh my god. I'm sorry if this is dark, but a lot of very dodgy people watched this film and went, "That's a really good idea." <laughs> I'm going to go and mass produce that. Yeah. You won't care that you won't mind that you remember. Ooh, all right. Um, yeah. And all these, and all these okay. ladies are all dressed in like crazy, you know, like these concubine outfits. Um, but it's, a, yeah, it's interesting that the character of aura does kind of have this, like, I don't know if she's just that in love with flash that she just like has this, she changes sides, you know, multiple boyfriends because she's, uh, Oh my god! Dating the guy that brings Flash back from the dead, and then she also has a thing going on with with uh, with Timothy Dalton. <laughs> this is actually yeah. This is a very uh, sex positive film. This Absolutely. is like you know, polyamory is completely celebrated. There you go. Um, <laughs> you know, they may not know about each other, but I get the feeling it would be very celebrated, especially when she's standing with Prince Baron at one point, going, "She's pretty visible up there." So, if, you know, if anyone <laughs> yeah. has an issue, raise your hand now. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's kind of like, but no one ever comments. There's no raised eyebrow. There's nothing like that. It's like, 
oh, the fact that she would use, you know, sexuality mm-hmm. to get what she's wanted. Yeah. There's no kind of like, oh, you're a bad person right. for doing this. No, she's just like, no, 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 no. And even when she delivers Flash, you know, to Baron in, you know, Robin Hood land, <laughs> she's like, Grace, cool. Anyway, gives a kiss. I have to go home. <laughs> I was like, all right. Yeah. Maybe okay. maybe the planet Mongo is just a lot more egalitarian and you know maybe yeah, the sex so. is a little, because again there is that woman general who oh I also love her too. <laughs> in that in that torture scene. <laughs> yeah, the that woman general, she's very high up in the in the military. She rankings. was giving me what's her name from the Masters of the Universe movie. Evelyn, yeah. Evelyn. Yeah. yeah. What are you doing to me? Oh, we're just emptying your mind. What? We are going to empty your memory, as we might empty your pockets. Doctor. No, don't do that. Please, I beg you. My mind is all I have. I spent my whole life trying to fill it. Begin. Yeah, and that's... Uh, I, 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 I was thinking, there, there just seems to be... I know it's a different film, a different story, but... I mean, if you were to put Masters of the Universe as a title on this film, I think I'd be like, I accept that. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yep. I, I, I accept this fully, you know? Yeah. I feel like if I was a kid and my dad just told me this is a He-Man movie, I'd be like, okay. Well, it's interesting <laughs> to sort of He's compare blonde. both of those movies. Uh, would you just say Dino De Laurentiis is just the canon Globus Brothers, but just sort of with the bigger checkbook. That's that was what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Like the Canon films, you know, Golan Globus and all of those movies look a certain way, but they also were very uh, tightly budgeted. We're going to be doing a He-Man movie, but we're going to be running around Southern California. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's not going to be set on a distant planet. <laughs> it is going to be set in Los Angeles today. <laughs> You know, that's their way of cheating it. This one, they were like, no, we're going to Mingo City and we're going to build the entire city and we're going to build a city in the clouds. Sure, their 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 lavish feast is just spray painted uh, styrofoam, but, you know, (laughs) everything else looks great. I have to say the they you know, when you have a limited budget or whatever, or this is clearly before, you know computer graphics and all that they had to get creative and i think that i mean the amount of paint swirling and and water yeah in this movie the space backgrounds yeah Yeah. i think they look cool yeah i think it looks pretty rad i think i think they do i I actually i was kind of marveling at just how pretty yeah this film actually is um like yeah right there's more blue screen than i know what to do with you know i mean (laughs) Uh, I, I mean, I, personally, I was completely sold on the the Hawkmen are actually flying, <laughs> um, but like as well, it's the kind of film where you know in the opening few minutes you're like, no, I, I, I'm not going to be sitting here looking for the strings for the film. If no, I want to no. see them, they're there. Um, but particularly those swirling backgrounds, I was like, that's gorgeous. Yeah, like that is gorgeous, and um, and. Okay, they're gorgeous, <laughs> and it makes the movie. It makes the movie look so unique. You know, yeah. it just gives it that yes, Flash it Gordon yeah. like. It also, okay. kind of it just expands the universe of the movie so much that it doesn't look completely set bound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, otherwise, yeah. it would just be like it would just be like black curtains or something. Yeah. That's <laughs> actually a really good point because all of the 
I suppose, set pieces in terms of a car character dialogue are all so clearly on a sound stage, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, um, and especially when you're trying to do, I think particularly in, uh, I've got into the habit of Robin Hood place, yeah. but you know, on the, on the forest world, mm-hmm. particularly there you see it because I think of trees, I think of outdoor, which means I can clearly see these are fake. However, by adding this to the background, suddenly you've got a sense of scale that the movie probably couldn't afford otherwise. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, and especially in those scenes, those like swamp scenes, I was, I I was commenting. I was like, what you know, what is it about this movie that makes it look? I mean, for lack of a more elegant term, cheap. You know, as compared to like Dagobah. Yeah, and Scott Empire. and Scott yeah. was like, but mm. it doesn't look any, it doesn't look any worse than Dagobah. Like at the end of the day, if you had never seen Empire Strikes Back, you would think that that looks like yeah. a set. You know, so. And 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 the 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 paint tanks just kind of yeah they they just give it a different feel and they make it look different than any you know the um, at the time. Do they talk about this movie in Jodorowsky's Dune? The, it's in the montage at the end where they talk about everyone who stole from their. Ideas. Are you familiar with Alejandro Jodorowsky trying to make this Dune movie? And he had a a book of storyboards that was essentially the entire movie that was making its way around the studios. And a lot of the visuals of that book just ended up being in all of these huge movies. Flash Gordon being one of them, alien, uh, else? masters of the universe. Masters of the universe. Yeah. 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 Just his, uh, that's why I knew that it had ended up in alien. All right. Um, right, but right. I still, cause I still haven't seen the, the documentary. Yeah. Um, which, Oh, it's really I, again, I think that's me, a bottle of wine and the TV yes. one night. It's probably the best way of watching that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it's when I think it's a lot of the, the costuming, the, the character design, these interest, interesting colors. I think for a long time, sci-fi just it was very, you know, looked a certain way and austere and, you know, there. Princess Aura is running around and one at one point she's not running around, but at one point she's wearing a gown and it's a flowing gown, but it is bright pink. Mm-hmm. It's bright yeah. pink mm-hmm. with like a gold belt. That's like her. That's like her workout wear. Yeah. Because I think it's it's sort of like a spandex material. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it had like long sleeves and it was like a long gown to the ground. And I was just like, what if Princess Leia's iconic like entrance look from new hope look like that what if it was pink you know (laughs) like you never would think of that for a sci-fi movie but you know this movie did it and something about you know in hodorowsky's dune i think he was just so like avant-garde and he was you know if you're gonna have salvador dali in your movie as the emperor of the galaxy the costumes are going to be a little bit more than just white you know white robes and and I think this movie kind of right. took that and ran with it. And I'm just like, why couldn't why couldn't Princess Leia be wearing a bright pink spandex dress? But uh, I mean, like you're so right. But then I think by the time, and obviously there's the poster of Return of the Jedi behind you, mm-hmm. because Princess Aura's entrance look oh. and Princess Leia's <laughs> slave look, yeah, sure. definitely yeah. seems to have been a little bit of a you know yeah. not just like. Carry over. There was inspiration there, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, and and actually, also, I'm, I'm not going to let Star Trek off the hook for taking inspiration either, because I think that the battle in the Mutara Nebula, Wrath of Khan, yeah, I think there is a little. I think, yeah, I, I think inspiration absolutely. might have been seen from 
from this film because you can see it in the color palette because it's all those purples and pinks mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. Sure, it's darker overall, but you still see that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the, yeah, and it's the the paint tanks and all of that stuff. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I love that. Oh my goodness. Oh man, and and how about that Picard episode three? <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Speaking of Mutara Nebula. All right, so we we have uh, we we talked a little bit about you know who's this movie for and the, I mean, the crazy like you would there's think homoeroticism. That, well, you would think that they're making a children's movie, yeah, because it's Flash Gordon, yeah. But there's homoeroticism. <laughs> there's sexy Slightly. ladies, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there's just kind of something in this movie for everyone, yeah, yeah. And I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. So this is bringing me to Sam Jones, and um, you know he's this. Uh, a beefcake hunky guy you know his acting skills are are what they are you know um but i do like that he plays the character very sincere and it really works yeah too yeah yes mm-hmm. yeah yes um you know his his costumes go from his like very tight ringer t-shirt with his own nickname on it mm-hmm. in in you know in a really great logo because that's the thing his character uh He's a football player, and they call him Flash. Like that's just what the his fans call him. So he's got Flash written on his on his shirt. Um, and so we go from like the very tight t shirt that gets ripped. Then we've got like the brown leather loincloth for the for the execution. That um, then we've got uh, a a Mingo City kind of security guard outfit when she's smuggling him out. Um, that gets ripped his, you know, he's in various states of undress throughout the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm okay with, which, uh, leads me to what I never knew is that Scott found that yeah. once the movie was released, Playgirl magazine got a hold of, they got a hold of these photos in the seventies <laughs> and they did, and they did a Playgirl spread and I looked up the photos and who mama. <laughs> Well, my favorite thing about this. Go ahead. I was going to say, look, you know, uh, you know, talk about you know forward thinking. You know, a lot of the time, uh, women are objectified in these films. Well, in this film, we are objectifying Sam Jones. Yeah, and it sounds like I'm joking, but I mean, he, God bless his cotton socks. He was not cast for his acting. <laughs> um, yeah, when- and, but uh, but I agree with you as well, Scott. He is absolutely earnest. In yeah. the run, like it he, totally he, like, works. Be a likable doofus. Yeah, he did it. Yeah, he, and he did it very well. Like yeah. you are rooting for Flash throughout yeah. this whole film. When he has, he's been sentenced for execution. Dale has been sentenced to be betrothed to Ming, and she has like a little. They have like a little meetup right before his mm. his hourglass is running out, and he's standing there in the in the leather loincloth, and she and like you said. They've met in the, in the timeline of less this movie. Less than 24 hours. Less than 24 yep. hours. And, you yep. know, I mean, granted, these are extreme circumstances. We've been teleported to another planet and dimension, and you're going to be executed, and I'm going to be married off to this crazy guy. Um, so maybe you're the only human being that I know, so maybe I am falling in love with you. But he's shirtless in this scene, and she is up there, and she is, and they're having this whole conversation, and she's just like running her fingers through his like through his chest hair, mm-hmm. like the whole time. I'm just like, oh, Melody Anderson, you, you lucky woman. <laughs> she's loving it. Uh, this isn't happening, Dale. We're not here. 
It's just a bad dream. Oh, I agree completely. Why, we'll wake up any minute in Dark Harbor and have a laugh about all this. Yeah. Only next time I won't just ask the maitre d' your name. I'll walk over and talk to you. You promise? I promise. Cross my heart and hope to... I, I really will talk to you, Dale. Oh, what if we're wrong, Flash? We can't be. What if it isn't a dream? Then you'll find Zarkov. You'll save the Earth somehow and he'll get you home in the capsule. But what about you? Don't think of me, Dale. Think... Flash! Don't, don't, don't look at it. It won't turn over. It won't turn over. My goodness. But, um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it, it's, it's, it's great, but it's, it's something that I, as a little kid and like a little queer kid was just kind of used to because i did grow up with masters of the universe sure you were you were used to playing with these little bk action figures yeah my he-man action figures they came with a harness those harnesses are very expensive i don't have one because the leather ones are upwards of two (laughs) hundred dollars that is that is so true i mean because there's a a popular meme was going around for a long time Mm -hmm. and people talk about you know the the harmful image of women that barbie Mm -hmm. puts out there right and it is it it, it, because i think they said like for a woman to actually look like that she would have to be dead yeah um and then they're like yeah yeah, it's also but look at he-man yeah you know it's just like that is completely you know unachievable but also as you say it was just totally normal to have a leather daddy yeah. running around as the hero of your piece and we just didn't question no. it yeah you just sort of accepted you know, it i was like okay mm-hmm. yeah 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 Dolph- like, yeah and as you say those harnesses are quite expensive <laughs> <laughs> you know, unless you get the neoprene, then, you know, then you're in a, a little bit easier territory. Um, you know, yeah, I had, I had, you know, when, when the Masters of the Universe movie came out, I was very excited. And, you know, when I watched it, granted, like we said, it's not exactly like the show. They're transported to Earth. And I was a little disappointed in that. But you know what? I wasn't disappointed in Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. <laughs> Dolph mm-hmm. Lundgren is He-Man. And to see him shirt bare chested in this harness running around for two hours. I'm okay with that, you know, and the toys, these guys, the thighs on mm-hmm. these toys, the thighs are insane. And, you know, there's a, there's another meme that's, you know, like little boys can't play with dolls because that's, that's gay. That's queer. A little boy playing with the Barbie doll, you know, give him an action figure. <laughs> And even the Skeletor action figure. He's a skeleton. Even, and even his... Skeletor's pretty jacked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, as you say as well, I mean, I love this nonsense argument that like, you know, oh, you know, they'll have a bad influence. Yeah. You'll grow up gay because that's, of course, how it works. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's just like, well, I mean, if anything, if anything is going to make you gay. It's going to be, you know, kind of like, hi, I got to play with, well, I won't finish that sentence, but anyway, yeah. Um, like bloody hell. And I did have 
I did have a He-Man. Uh, <laughs> so maybe maybe there is an argument <laughs> for a, my queerness. I you mean, know? come on. Uh, <laughs> watch, 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 watching <laughs> Sam J. Jones oiled up, <laughs> getting, get, getting, uh, getting felt up by... By uh, by Dale Arden, I I just couldn't when I was watching it, and she's like, she's so she's so scared, and she's just like, oh Flash, and he's just like, oh you know, go turn over the hourglass, and I'm watching, and I'm just like looking at her hands, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, oh my this goodness. is make, this is making me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I need an adult. <laughs> Would you two like to be alone? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. What am I? What am I? What have I walked in on? But. Um, yeah, I, and what does she say when she's trying to pick up the hourglass? It won't turn over. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way her delivery. It won't turn over. Oh my goodness! Yeah, she's her her acting skills are uh, chef's kiss. I love I mm-hmm. love Melody Anderson as as, as Dale Arden. Um, but yeah, I I forgot how much you know with the pillow fights and the flogging and mm-hmm. and all of that. There's there's something for everybody in this so there's there's something for the little queer boys but there's something for the <laughs> the straight boys and the queer girls too <laughs> when you when you as you say in a way like i'm sure i'm sure look i'm sure it's going to fail so many tests for so many reasons yeah. but it's actually quite a transgressive film in its own little way sure in its little pocket universe of <laughs> 1980 it's like we can get away with things we would never get away with in 2023 yeah. and also probably way more conservative than we even think it is. Sure. Because it's just like, you just walked a very fine line that absolutely none of you knew you were walking. Right. And I think being a European production really has a lot to do with that too. If this sure. movie was made strictly in America by Americans, it would no way be as sexy as it is or as horny as it is. Yeah. I feel like an American filmmaking crew would, would tone that down in 1980 would have toned that down so mm. much, you know? And so thank you, Dino De Laurentiis. Yeah. He was company. a character. I mean, also, I mean, just when you look up his filmography of all of these properties that he had his hands in that he produced the halloween sequels halloween 2 and halloween season of the witch what? so it's like he had his fingers in that he did um the thomas harris books red dragon and oh, okay. hannibal in the 2000s so he just kind of had his hands in everything and his sister Rafaela uh produced yep. dune and his same year and is his niece Giada De Laurentiis. Giada De Laurentiis. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. Yes. Everyone's famous, large-headed, very thin TV chef. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love Giada. She also. I mean, G- the cool thing about Giada De Laurentiis is that she has Rafaela on her show, Aunt Raffi. Aunt Raffi. She has Aunt Raffi come on, and Rafaela De-, De Laurentiis is a kook. When she's on Giada, it's amazing i like seek out these episodes because she's insane and i love it um but yeah that that family is great Um, i mean are there even movie producers like that anymore no i don't think so So, that's what i was saying also you don't really see a movie producer solely responsible for what they're producing now it's like a whole committee of people lawyers that are telling people what to do yeah and i think specifically Mm -hmm. for for de laurentis movies it's like you call it a De Laurentiis movie and the director's almost kind of like, oh, he's there too, <laughs> you know, because yeah. it's so spearheaded by him. Go ahead. You know, you're right. Like, I'm trying to like the names that might follow, like maybe Tarantino when he produces, mm. you can still see that. It, well, basically it's a Tarantino film. Yeah. Um, Tim Burton. 
um, of course, famously did not direct A Nightmare Before Christmas. Right, right. Um, and you, but I mean, he did, but he didn't. But, you know, things <laughs> like that. It, it's, it's yeah. I think as well. That's where the ballooning costs of sure. filmmaking mm-hmm. have. I think. I can't imagine. I mean, obviously, I can't imagine this film as it stands being made today. But for, in, in 1980, 27 million dollars was a lot of money. Yeah, 27 million dollars a lot of money today. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. you know, 27 million, that was a that was a lot of money for for a film. They were taking mm-hmm. a punt on this. So I was looking at this one like they improvised on set. <laughs> Someone didn't take that. The left hand did not know what the right hand was doing on this film set. Um, yeah. And yeah. for better or worse, you've got a cult classic. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I mean, some, some critics got it at the time. Uh, Pauline Kael, who wrote for the New Yorker, called it a disco in the sky. And Pauline Kael does appreciate good camp. I was going to say Pauline Kael hates everything. But, but Pauline <laughs> Kael, Kael gets shit like this. Like okay. she gets camp okay so she was all about it roger ebert was into it like i think that roger ebert saw oh you're doing a flash gordon movie so yeah that's yeah that's what the movie should be yeah so some people got it it didn't make a lot of money in america but i think it was it made decent money worldwide in italy and great britain so Mm, sure it's still probably lost money in the grand scheme of things yeah and i had read that there as as recently as 2018, Taika Waititi was attached to an uh, animated feature. Okay, but that's I don't think anything. There's nothing. I don't think there's nothing on the books. Yeah, mm-hmm. for that. Um, and I think it could possibly work as an animated feature, but I, I don't. Sure. I don't know that they could do a live action one today. Uh, it may not work. I- I, I just kind of want to see this exact same film yeah. released with no warning to the general public and just see, all right, everyone who's been raised on Marvel and, you know, all these other sci-fi properties where everything looks so slick. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, we should probably talk a little bit about Queen scoring this movie. Oh so goodness. I know at the time, oh goodness. I don't really think a rock band had ever scored a movie before. Quite like this. I mean, there was stuff like Tommy, well, but that's something so separate. Well, I mean, something like this. Yeah, and then when you get to eighty-two, you get Vangelis doing um, Chariots of Fire. Well, Chariots of Fire and uh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, when was Legend? Legend was eighty-five. See? Tangerine and, and Tangerine Dream did Risky Business. So yeah. So yeah. there's it's the, it's there. It's happening. But I think those were all prog rock bands. Like Tangerine Dream, Vangelis, mm. Queen. I think this is a mainstream rock band. So I think that's a little different than kind yeah. of what was going on. And this um, intro and song. The, and I mean, like, like that's it. That, that intro song, you mention <laughs> it. If you say the words Flash Gordon to anyone, now I would, I would be fairly confident saying they're going to think of the song before yeah. they think of the film. Yeah, yeah I yeah. said it the other day at um, work. Because it's and- iconic. Yeah. I said it the other day at work, and my coworker like just he just went ah, just quoted the song. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Like it, it just makes you just want to scream out loud. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, it's it's great, and there's some really cool stuff going on with the the um, the score in the movie. So every now and then, I'm just like, this is really cool. This bit's really cool. I I love this bit. Um, granted. The wedding march, I let it slide. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Brian May shredding on that guitar. I think it's so cool. 
<laughs> oh man. I'm just like they're on another planet in another galaxy from in the fourth dimension, and here's the wedding march. <laughs> and 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 the, like the you know the priest or officiant or whatever is fully just like and is there anyone here who does not oh yeah it, this is a judeo christian like mm-hmm. wedding ceremony <laughs> who cares who cares no. but it's got uh, but it's brian yeah, like, may yeah, there's a whole bigger thing about maybe did you know the mingos did they seize the uh planet earth and other planets like that there or did we send people out you know with the dinosaurs uh, who, knows? who knows who knows who knows but you know what we got to we got to hear brian may shredding on the wedding march and so that's <laughs> at the end of the day that's that's what matters <laughs> but you yeah. know when we watch when we revisit episode one, I can see the most Flash Gordon influences in, yeah. in the prequels. Mm-hmm. Of that, you can really see that Flash Gordon was like that was a big passion for Lucas, and you yeah. can definitely see it in the prequels. Yeah, because that's mm-hmm. when the ships start getting a little bit more rocket ship looking, and, and you start to see the universe expanded more. Mm-hmm. You start mm-hmm. to see people in bars, like where they were. Like the Jedi like bar, a disco, from yeah. The disco Jedi bar from Episode <laughs> Two that we just watched. Yeah. Even the opening yeah. of Episode One is giving me very Flash Gordon of when. Yeah, everything on that ship. Yep, yeah. Everything on that ship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I mean, I remember the first time when I was like a teenager watching. You know, when the big documentaries started coming out about Star Wars, and they first mm. sh- would play clips of the flash gordon serials and the opening text crawl oh yeah and that shit blew my mind mm-hmm. i was just like what they, he he straight up I love what, like <laughs> i i i love i love what lucas did i love it because he took the most classic elements of sure. sci-fi mm-hmm. and modernized them for a 1977 audience when it came to a new hope and yeah, it's it's interesting because there's I think there's somewhat conflicting stories of he wanted Flash Gordon and couldn't afford it, so he wrote Star Wars, or he was offered Flash Gordon and he said no because I'm already writing Star Wars. Like I don't, I don't know what the real story is. It's somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he probably mm. really wanted to just do that first, and and Fox was just like we, we we're not gonna we're not gonna buy those rights for our, i think i think fellini another story is that fellini already had the fellini, rights well so fellini fox was, couldn't buy was it being considered to direct this movie with de Laurentiis, right and right, then i right. think he just like but this is but this is also yeah. in the in the sure. weird stories of lucas not mm-hmm. being able to or not eventually not making flash gordon and creating his own version which ultimately became the star wars so it's like i don't know if you know star wars fans have flash gordon to thank for (laughs) creating their you know creating their their biggest personality trait (laughs) of of liking star wars so but i mean at the end of the day i just feel like this is something that i've put on at parties on mute just yeah, to have something a on a, movie on a just TV, to have on the background, you know, um, with mm-hmm. everybody just talking and it's, it's a good talking point cause it's so kooky. It would be a good movie to have on when you're at a bar. Yeah. Just on in the background. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're so right. Like they, whatever, whatever 
loving criticism can be put against this film, they went all in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They went absolutely all in. And like I say, yeah, maybe some things didn't connect, but everyone is giving it 110% of, to the best of their abilities in this film. So if you, as you, as you say, if it's on in the background, mm-hmm. it's going to stand out. You, you will know and you will immediately know that's Flash Gordon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's, that's the 1980 Flash Gordon film. Yeah. There's no kind of like, even though you can see the things that were inspired by it, and the things that inspired it, you're like, no, 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 only that looks like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah, there's there's something about these properties that were written in the 1930s in the United States that are just, like I said, maybe they've we've aged out of them. You know, even to an extent, like even Superman sometimes is like, oh, he flies. Great. <laughs> He's that, very strong. Do you, do you think you that know? just has to do with the depression of the 30s and just kind of this escapism yeah, abs- in it comics? Abs- absolutely yeah. does. Uh-huh. Absolutely does. But, um, you know, when you see something like John Carter of Mars, it's like he went to Mars. That's only one planet away. <laughs> you know, and he can jump very high. He jumps real, real far on, on John Carter. That's his power. You know, nowadays it's like there's got to be so much going on and, and origin stories and and all of this. And these these properties from this Depression era are just so, like, not naive, but just so innocent almost in their storytelling. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just a guy and his girlfriend who are transported to another planet and they're going to save them and they're going to save the world. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's it. How are they going to do that? No one knows. Yeah. Why are they going to do that? Cause they're there. Doesn't matter. Yeah. That's it. There's no, he's not, you know, a fabled prophesied yes. this or that. He's, yes. he's not the only person who has the skills. He's a good football player. Yes. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but he's not the only one. Yeah. Or the again, chosen one. Charm yeah. To that. Mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but it is, it does make it difficult in today's Hollywood climate. Well, everyone for, loves to pick for that everything to trans. Yeah, for so, that to trans. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's possibly that because Scott and I enjoy John Carter. I mean, you you want to talk about uh, you want to talk about the gays? You know, Taylor Kitsch running around in a loincloth for two, for two hours. I'm on board with it, but it did not do well. And is, is it just because this, this property, this storyline is just, people just don't, it just doesn't fit with where sci-fi and action adventure and all that is going. Didn't quite fit into that MCU mold. Right. That movies were going for at that time. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's true. There is like, there's so much, positive to say about the mcu and about mm. you know particularly i'd say the, the first decade of it mm-hmm. it did things that cinema had never seen before or you know it hadn't seen done quite like that um but the undeniable knock-on of that is that if you're not part of a franchise yeah. you're really going to struggle yeah um and we've seen everything from the world be you know blown up to you know, men and women with these superpowers. You, the, you know, how could you possibly take this down? So, so that guy can can carry a thing, and he can run through some guards. <laughs> uh, yeah, good for you. Yeah, uh, yeah like, and it is, and it's it. it you, you do, and there, and there is a 
there is a sadness to that because it's a simple story. These kind of stories are very simple. Yeah. Um, they are they're, they're not trying to be anything more than what you see is what you get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yes, you the, the audiences today. Um, and I'm not saying I'm innocent of this. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely not. But like, you know, audience today would be like, you know, kind of like, you know, oh, I see. Yeah. So what are the 17 different Easter eggs that are hidden in his oh, yeah. T-shirt? Right. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everything's got to be something part of something bigger. Um, and, you know, and I think they yeah. were planning on this being a franchise. I think they were planning on doing you see Ming's laugh when you see that ring at the very yeah. end of the movie. Oh, his ring, his ring of the Schwartz Ooh. from yeah. Spaceballs. The ring of the Schwartz. Mm hmm. <laughs> That's yeah. what we immediately thought of. <laughs> it, yeah, it is absolutely the ring of the Schwartz. Yeah, so and I think that they were planning on it, but just the, the box office kind of failure, I guess, um, kind of stopped those plans. But I think it could have, you know, it it could have lent. There could have been more to these characters and this this world that they were attempting to, <laughs> to build. But, um, I mean, it's fun to see what a big thing this movie has become, especially in probably the past like 15 years. Yeah. I mean, Sam J. Jones like probably just does the con circuit yeah. with this movie with the cast. Making a tidy little... And they yeah. they probably make their income. And yeah. this movie is very well regarded with fans of sci-fi. Well, that, that's the yeah. thing. Now, you know, we're at a time when filmmakers in their 40s were kids in the 80s. And so all Ooh. of these properties, they're just like, you know, that shit was great. I grew mm-hmm. up on that, and now I'm in a position of power. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes we get some fan fiction-esque storylines, Star Wars sequels. But sure. <laughs> uh, other times it, it works out really well, and, and you get something like Thor Ragnarok, which is like, you know, something from the MCU that is, I think everybody can stand behind and just be like, this is sure. just a fun movie. How can we fault this? <laughs> you know, how can we fault this? But um, I think that's just kind of where we are with where people my age are kind of in power in, in the film industry. So mm-hmm. they're bringing in these things that they love and making really good. Stuff. And when it works, it works. When it works, you get Stranger Things. And when it doesn't work, you know, we get other shows that we forgot about that get mm-hmm. canceled after seven episodes. But um, unfortunately, we are running out of a little bit of time today, so we have to. We got to wrap it up. Thank you so much, Sean. Yeah, Sean, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for making the time, carving out the time to to be with us today. Uh, but before we let you go, like Scott said at the beginning of the show, uh, you're from Trek Culture uh, on YouTube. Why don't you talk a little bit about where we can find you and where we can watch all of your various and sundry projects that you're working on? Well, thank you so, so much. Yes, as you mentioned, um, I am on Trek Culture on YouTube. So we are the largest Trek Star Trek YouTube channel outside of Star Trek Main itself, um, where it's just we get to talk about all things Trek, clues in the name. Uh, we're also, uh, well, I'm part of Who Culture as well. So for all the Doctor Who fans out there, you can find me there as well. Um, we are also, I am a co-host on the Clone Star podcast. Uh, which is uh, a kind of a, a side venture that we set up during the pandemic with my co-host, uh, Shilsa Hurley. And through them, we've managed to score a lot of interviews with some really, really interesting names. So we are available basically wherever you get podcasts. 
that's where we are. If you if you get your podcasts behind the bushes, we're probably behind the bushes. That's the kind of that's 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 that was going to be our tagline for a while. And Joseph will be horrified that I've said that. Um, but and then we're on all of the various socials as well. Just type in Sean Ferrick and it'll bring you to somewhere. And I am legally not responsible for wherever it brings you to. I was going to say, I'm a, I'm a big fan of your other of your other other Twitter account. Listeners, if you want to look that up. Yes, yes. So so for age-appropriate listeners, there is other content out there as well, all of which can be found. uh, Again, I don't exactly hide it. Yeah. Put it that way. It's not difficult to find. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. We love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, uh, After a year, hopefully we can have you on, and and it won't take another year to get you back on. But um, anytime, you're more than welcome. So we will uh, we'll let you go. We'll bid you adieu. Thank you so much once again. Bye, Sean. Bye. My pleasure. Thank yeah. you. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. See you later. And thank you so much for listening, everyone. And a big thank you to our friend Sean for calling in all the way across the pond. Thank you so much, Sean. I mean, we made it work. It was some tough scheduling, but uh, we got everybody in. And uh, Flash Gordon, man, what a movie. We love it. But, um, yeah, we hope to have our friend Sean over again sometime for another movie. But until then, you can uh, follow him on Trek Culture and uh, listen to what he has to say about lots of fun sci-fi stuff. But I think right now... It is about that time. Time for some Patreon shoutouts. We would like to say a great big hello and thank you to all of our wonderful patrons, including Dan, another Dan. Well, the first one is Dan C. The second one is Dan H. Whirly Flower, Lori, Brenna, Jessa Rabbit, Lawrence, Danielle, Lisa, Alexis, Thomas, Mark, Jackson, Millie, Ted, Benny, Jermel, Melanie, Susan, JJ, Shelby, Michael, Heather, let's see, oh, there we are, Jamie, Drew, Genevieve, Dawn, Joshua, Emma, Melly, Aaron, Jessica, Nick and Shannon, Christine, and also uh, our friend Rufino, you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for being patrons. Head over to www.patreon.com slash movies that made us gay to uh, check out all of the fun additional supplemental uh, material that you you get when you become a patron. We've got uh, newsletters that go out every month. We've got uh, additional uh, bonus tracks, in, which are our Watch With Us commentary tracks. We pick a brand new movie that we haven't yet done on the show, or maybe we will do on the show at a later time. But what we do is instead of doing a regular episode, we do a commentary track. So we sit down and we watch the movie with you, the listener. So it's like you're watching it with us. You can sync it up to the movie, and it's really fun to watch it along. Or you can just listen to it you know, in your car at your leisure as a bonus episode. Um, and uh, those are really fun. There's over 20 of those. So you'll have access to all of those at the top level uh the newsletters like i said there's also behind the scenes photos seasonal playlists lots of fun stuff going on so you know we really appreciate all the donations that you guys provide to us they keep the show you know up on the internet every month uh ad free for you so thank you so much for um, all of your donations and if you can't do a ongoing subscription you know you can just do one month's worth and in the 30 days just check out everything that you want to check out and thank you so much for for the little donation so head over to patreon.com slash movies that made us gay and um 
see all that fun stuff. We'd also love it if you would like and subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or on whatever podcast broadcasting uh, application that you use. So, uh, yeah, if you're on Apple Podcasts or if you're on Spotify, we'd love it if you would smash that five stars. All those stars and comments really help for us to kind of get some um, – get some traction and they help spread the word and helps more people to find our show. So just hitting five stars really, really helps. And um, if you want to write a review, if you're an Apple podcasts, feel free to go ahead and do that. Um, well, we have a new review. This is from an Apple podcast listener um, across the pond again. This is, uh, let's see. This is from an Apple podcast listener in the UK. Let me pull this up right now. We love uh, all of your comments, and, and like we said, anytime a new comic gets posted, we'll go ahead and read it on the show, and so we're going to go ahead and read one of the reviews right now. This is from uh, Apple Podcast Great Britain, BJAMS78 is the user. Love that name, BJAMS78. And uh, the title is Favorite Podcast on the Internet, Favorite with a U. Because they're from Great Britain. These guys literally cover all the movies, all the films my siblings and I grew up with and discuss them like normal film buffs. And it's amazing. All caps. Great guest stars, great film choices, great content, and great hosts. Thank you. This podcast get me, gets me through errands and the school run. I love these guys. And in quotations, forever young. I like that title. Thank you so much, BJAMS78, all the way from Apple Podcasts in Great Britain. I actually haven't read this one. This is a, a short and sweet one. This is from Apple Podcasts in right here in the U.S., uh, Cupcake Yay. Uh, the title is Love the Pod, double exclamation point. Unfortunately, none of the movies made me gay, but I'm still hoping it'll happen. Hey, there's always time. So, yeah, if you want to uh, write a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll go ahead and read it just like those two brand new friends. Thank you, friends and new listeners. So uh, yeah, head over and do that. You can also follow us on any and all social media platforms. We're on all of them or most of them. We're on um, Instagram uh, and uh, Facebook at Movies That Made Us Gay. And we're on Twitter at MTMUG Pod. And if you want to follow our personals, feel free. My name is Pete. Uh, I'm at Peter Lasagna on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, Scott is at Scott Youngballer on Instagram and you can follow his letterbox. Just look up Scott Youngbauer and um, his letterbox is lots of fun. So thank you so much, everyone. Once again, thanks again to Sean. Thanks again to all the listeners and to all the patrons. We will see you next week. Thanks everybody. Uh, Bye.